All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read again. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I think uh, to supplement that, I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm 78. Psalm 78, uh, where we have this statement. Verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So this morning we began talking about uh, this command for fathers to train up their children in the instruction of the Lord. Uh, I had 10 main principles that I was unpacking along these lines. First, consider what an awesome privilege it is to have a child. Second, consider what an awesome responsibility it is to have a child. Third, we saw that parents are primarily responsible to provide the instruction in the formative years that will shape the future adult. So who has God given the responsibility to, to instruct children and to raise them up in the ways of God, first and foremost, to the parents? Uh, We saw forth that the content of that instruction was to include both religious instruction, truths about God, truths about man, truths about the world we live in, the commands of God, and the gospel above all. And then we saw that instruction was also to include general knowledge and skills that equip our kids to be useful to Christ and to serve him well in this world. If I was going to add anything to what I said this morning on that note... It would simply be, especially in our day and age, parents, make sure you're teaching your children to live by principle and not by feelings. Uh, Let your children learn to be ruled by conviction and principle, the commands of God, rather than by the whims and the desires of their flesh, um, those things. In, In our day, we live in a world where everybody seems emotionally driven, and we ought to be convictionally driven. It's not that emotions aren't aren't important. No, emotions are important, but they were not made to rule over us. They were not made to reign. And I think that's something that's going to be particularly important for the next generation uh, to come to grips with. 
And then the fifth point that we saw this morning was how that instruction is to be communicated uh, by our example, by formal times of teaching, by informal, spontaneous times of teaching. Deuteronomy 6, when you get up, when you go out, as you walk along the way, as you sit at the table, and then through and by the local church. Uh, At the end this morning, we addressed the question of why do we teach our children at all the things of God if they don't have the Holy Spirit? If they're not born again and they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear and the Holy Spirit hasn't made them new creations in Christ, isn't teaching our children the things of God just throwing seeds at cement? And we answered that in several ways. Uh, talking about the fact that, yes, that is true, and yet it is through teaching, it is through truth that God opens up eyes, that God penetrates hearts, that God saves souls. Uh, We saw also this morning that uh, every command of God uh, is given to mankind as a whole. The call to believe on Jesus Christ is given to all men, and it's to be communicated to all men. The moral commands, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder. Those are true for all people, and it ought to be communicated to all people. And we said that we should never act surprised when our children sin, disobey, fail to believe, but that disciplinary moments in the home ought to be gospel moments. That when our children fail to keep the commands that we've been teaching them, those are prime moments to point them to Christ and their need for grace. Now, Pastor Merle and I were talking this afternoon, right after the service, and a couple of things that could be suggested to supplement uh, those points about why we teach our children, uh, even while they're unbelievers, the moral teachings of God. Uh, One is that even if our children remain unbelievers, God forbid, for the rest of their lives, nevertheless, it is better for them and for society as a whole if they received the moral teaching of Christianity than if they did not. If they learn to some measure the moral principles of self-discipline or self-control or just being kind to others, even if they never become Christians, they will at least make for a more decent society and a more prosperous and flourishing society. All you have to do is look at the cultures who have been affected by Christianity. And look at the people. Many, many people have lived in quote-unquote, Christian cultures who never became Christian themselves, but nevertheless learned and exhibited Christian-type behavior. And those were societies that flourished. Those were societies that accomplished great things. And those were societies where the gospel uh, had greater impact. And so even if our children, God forbid, never believed, we would rather them be somewhat moral believers than have them be rankly immoral uh, unbelievers. The other thing to say about that, we know from Matthew 11, and this is a sobering thought, but we know from Matthew 11 that there are differing degrees of judgment in hell. And at least by giving our children moral teaching, if they never believe, we may at least spare them some degree of suffering in the final judgment by keeping them from rank and uh, the, the worst of sins through moral, the moral teaching of Christianity. Merle, would you want to add anything to that? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. So a few more points then uh, as we think about raising up our children in the instruction of the Lord. Uh, number six, 
Parents cannot communicate what they do not know themselves. Parents cannot communicate what they do not know themselves. So when we have this command from Paul in Ephesians, fathers, raise up your children in the instruction of the Lord, the assumption is, fathers, you know the instruction of the Lord. You have learned for yourself. You have sought out what it means to be a follower of God and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You yourself know who God is and the things that he has done. You yourself have been learning the Christian worldview and how it understands reality. You yourself have been searching the scriptures to know wisdom from folly and truth from falsehood. And you yourself have sought to grow in the school of Christ from the pages of the Bible. Fathers, mothers, we cannot instruct our children if we don't have that instruction ourselves. And so one of the great requirements of parenting is that we seek to learn, that we seek to study, that we seek to sit at the feet of Christ and hear from Him and learn from Him, that we might pass on what we hear and what we learn to our children. All Christians should have a hunger and a desire for more of God's truth, but doubly so once you're interacting with children because now you have the double reason to learn. It's not just for your own sake. It's for their sake as well. Seventh, teaching your children from an early age to mind your words and pay attention is essential. Let me say that again. Teaching your children from an early age to mind your words and pay attention to them is essential. Uh, It does little good for a father to seek to give instruction to his children if the children have never learned to respect the father or the mother. Does little good for a mother to seek to teach her children or to pass on instruction to them if they do not regard her words or take her words seriously. Uh, From a very early age, while our children are very young, we're talking one, two, three. These are the years that set the stage for whether our children will be open to our teaching as they grow older or whether they will be rejecting and rebelling against our teaching. This means while they are very young, we ought to work at conquering their will. Uh, Letting them know up front that we are the authority in the home and that they are to hear what we say because we mean what we say. If we do not teach them that we mean what we say, they will grow to ignore our words and it could cause great trouble for them in the future. Uh, Maybe there are nights when you are together as a family and you're riding down the road in your car and thinking about supper and maybe you're saying, well, let's decide if we want to go eat somewhere tonight. Kids, let's let's take a vote. Who wants to eat where? And one kid says, let's go here. And one says, who's there? And everybody votes and you say, okay, that's where we're going. That's a very fine thing to do occasionally. That is not the way to run your home. That is not the way to parent. Uh, We do not parent based on the consensus of the family. Uh, We do not parent by having our children be the ones making the decisions. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, I think we preached on this, and I I was talking about Will Smith, the famous actor. And he had done this article where he had given his parenting philosophy. And the parenting philosophy of Will Smith for his kids was, you let your children have as much control as early as possible. That's completely antithetical to what's good for them. 
That's completely opposed to helping them. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And so very early, if you're going to do them good by giving them words that, they can, that will be life for them, they've got to learn that you are the authority and that what you say goes. I asked Jonathan if I could use him as an example for this. Uh, this was a long time ago. He was two years old. Okay, so this was a long time ago. Um, but when he was two years old, we were trying to teach him to say, please. And this was the battle of the wills in our house. He was fully capable of saying the word please. But he was absolutely determined he would not say it. And there was one day, it was, I believe we were renting the house in Nashville, right? And I think it was in the kitchen. And he wanted his sippy cup. Okay? And I'm holding his sippy cup. And he wants his sippy cup. Jonathan, just say please. No! Jonathan, just say, just say, please. No. And he threw himself on the ground. He cried. He screamed. He yelled. He tossed himself about. Just say, no. Okay. That's what it was like. And yet, the reality is, we would not give it to him until he said, please. And guess what? He learned a valuable lesson that day. One, how to say please, but way more important, that our word meant something. That our word matters and that he has to submit. Now, for parents, you're in a big trouble and your child's in worse trouble if they get to be 8, 10, 12, 14, and they don't think your word means anything. How are you going to instruct them? How are you going to give them the wisdom of God? Uh, related to that, this is just kind of a side point, but I always think about Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 26, where Solomon says to his son, My son, give me your heart. If you want your children to benefit from your instruction, they need to know, first and foremost, that you're the authority and you mean what you say and that your words need to be paid attention to. But second, that you have their best interest at heart. Um, all the time, uh, we say to our kids, we are for you. We're not against you. The decisions we make, even punishments we have to give, though we don't delight in giving them, they are for you. We are doing our best to care for you. Uh, we have your interest at heart, your welfare at heart. And so Solomon said to his son, my son, give me your heart. Trust me that I'm doing what is good for you. And that can go a long way in helping your children be open to the instruction that you have for them. Number eight, and related to that, parents must never undermine their teaching by lying to their children. Parents must never undermine their teaching by lying to their children. Now, we should never lie anyway, ever. It's, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, when you look at the book of Proverbs, at the six things that God hates, seven things that are detestable to Him, two of them have to do with lying. So this is a really big deal in the sight of God. Our God is truth. He is all truth. There has never been dishonesty or deceit that has proceeded from the mind or the mouth of God. God is truth, and his people are to be marked by truth. So there should not be dishonesty in our lives anyway. But sometimes as parents, I think there's a temptation to say to your children a little white lie. You know, you don't want to explain the whole story to them or you don't want to tell them exactly what's going on or just in the moment you need them to go away or whatever it is. 
and you begin to say a little white lie. The problem with that is that our children have a radar to detect dishonesty. Uh, Children have a, a quick sense of being able to tell when the truth is not being told to them. And they are certainly quick at discovering hypocrisy. Uh, but mom, you said, dad, you said, and, and then you're doing the opposite. Uh, dishonesty will damage your relationship with your child. Uh, but dishonesty will also damage their willingness to hear what you have to say. If they do not trust your words, then they will not give attention to your words. Related to this, parents ought to seek to be on the same page in communicating to their children. Uh, it can be very frustrating for children when they're getting mixed messages, when they're getting one message from the mom and another message from dad, uh, when they're hearing one view of things over here and another view of things over there. And, so it is, and especially for younger children, uh, it's important that mom and dad seek to be on the same page in the way that they communicate to their children And what they are communicating to their children. If dad says, you know, if you do this, this will be the consequences. Mom should also be saying, if you do this, these will be the consequences. And vice versa. Otherwise, children with their deceitful, dishonest hearts, just like all unbelieving hearts, will quickly learn how to play mom and dad against each other. Right? Well, mom, dad said... Dad, mom said, right? Uh, Beware children pitting their parents against one another, right? Uh, Well, mom, dad said that uh, if you're okay with it, he's okay with it. Dad, uh, you know, that kind of thing, right? And and they make it up and they try and and get what they want in that way. Uh, Children need to learn how to submit to the wills of their parents. Parents need to serve that by making sure they always speak clearly and truthfully to their children. Number nine, parents need wisdom from God to know how and what to communicate to a child during moments of discipline, heartache, fear, and the other experiences of a child's life. Uh, In other words, we talked earlier about how a lot of the most important teaching moments for a child are going to be spontaneous moments, moments that, that come unexpected, moments that just happen as you're living life. And sometimes there's, there's the thunderstorm that suddenly appears and, and the child is, is afraid. Suddenly there's the, the, the moment where you come home and, and uh, the dog has been run over. And you got to figure out now, how do I talk to the child about what's happening here? There's that moment where some ugly sin has affected your family as a whole. And you got to figure out, how am I going to shepherd my children through this sin that's now right here in, in front of us uh, affecting us? All of this just reminds us that we must pray for the wisdom of God. We need God's help and God's wisdom to know what to say and how to say it in the differing experiences of our children's lives. Knowing what to say and the right time to say it can be difficult. But God told us in the book of James that he gives wisdom to those who ask for it. And so we as parents should be parenting independence upon God. We as parents should be regularly going to God in prayer and asking, Oh Lord, will you give me the words to say in this moment? Will you give me the right way to say it in this moment? 
that I can care for my child and point my child in, in the right way. And then parents must be willing to do our best, trusting in God, and then leave it in his hands. Um, we need to remember, lest the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. It's the same thing with parenting. We are called to trust God, to obey him as best we can, and then ultimately leave it in his hands, knowing that our God must do the most important things that need to happen in the lives of our kids. And so we pray, and we call on him, and we trust him. Uh, number 10, parents need wisdom from God to know how to best communicate to each child in light of their different personalities. In light of their different personalities. Children can be very different from one another. Uh, brothers and sisters can be very different from one another. Um, many of you may have known twins or triplets and how different they can be from, from one another. Benjamin's nodding his head. We have triplets that live just a, a couple blocks over from our house. And those boys have very different personalities from one another. They are very different from each other. And so as parents, you're not always going to relate to each child the same way. For example, some children have very tender consciences. Uh, there's going to be the one child where, where all you have to do is look at them with a little bit of a stern look, and they just, they just break apart. And they just confess what they've done, and they're so sorry. That, that's not the child to come at with, with you know, harsh words. That's not the child to come at with, uh, you know, lots of, of warnings. And, and No, that, that child with a tender conscience needs to be, well, needs to know that they're still loved. Needs to know that we all sin and that forgiveness is found in Christ. And needs to be comforted and encouraged and pointed to Jesus. But there are other children with very hardened consciences. There are those children where, uh, you know, even when you're, you're to the point where you're having to spank them, they don't care. Do it harder! I don't care. They, they stick their tongue out at you. You know these kinds of kids I'm talking about. Okay? Right? They've, they've just become used to discipline. Their, their heart is hardened towards it. You're going to be trying to speak to that one, that child differently than the one with the tender conscience. You're going to need stronger words. You're going to need to figure out ways to try and wake that child up to the seriousness of their situation. Uh, Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus spoke differently to different people in the pages of the Gospels. And he spoke to them based on their consciences. Uh, those who were very arrogant, self-assured, full of themselves. Uh, he spoke very strongly to them. I mean, think of the things he said to the Pharisees, right? Woe to you! Right? Curses on you! You are whitewashed tombs, all pretty on the outside, but, but death inside. It's pretty strong words. Or what about when he called them names? Like, you brood of vipers! Now, I'm not telling you to call your children snakes. Okay? But I am telling you that we learn from Jesus here that there are times when, when we need to get into the, the face of a, of a child, especially a growing child, a, a young man or a young woman who, uh, you know, you've begun to see their hearts hardening and, and you just have to get in their face and say, we love you, we care about you, wake up. These are serious things that are happening here. And then you do what you can and pray for God to use the words that you've spoken. Of course, we see how Jesus then relates to the sinner who knows they're a sinner. We see how Jesus relates to the one who feels the weight of their sin. He, he receives them. He receives them with tender words. And so we need to pray for God's help and God's wisdom in this regard. That we would know how to speak to our differing children 
in light of their differing personalities. Uh, The last thing I would say on this subject of, of raising your children in the instruction of the Lord is that we love our children best by loving Jesus more. We love our children best by loving Jesus more. We said this morning our children learn first and foremost from our example. Our children learn first and foremost from what we model before them. Your children ought to be able to say of you, they mess up sometimes, mom messes up sometimes, dad messes up sometimes, but I know this, she loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. She is trying to be godly. He is seeking to be holy. Uh, Your children should be able to give this testimony about you. Once your days on this earth are over, not that you were perfect. Not that you maybe didn't have some glaring errors in your life, some some traits that they wish you did not have in your life. Those may be there, but will they be able to say, I know this about mom and dad. They love the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was all their hope. He was their righteousness before God, and they were seeking to follow hard after him despite all of their sins and the issues in their lives. And so we want to make sure that we're modeling that for our kids and that our kids know how much we love the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great errors of our day uh, is making idols of our children, Uh, thinking that we can receive from our children what we can only receive from Christ. Only Christ can be our peace. Only Christ can be our joy. Only Christ can be our security. We love our children, but we can't love them well if we need them. We can't love our children well if we're looking to them to be what only Jesus can be for us because then they will disappoint and we will find ourselves frustrated. And you can't parent well when you're frustrated, right? We must find all we need in Christ and then we can overflow well onto our children. So those are our 10 points about raising up our children in the instruction of the Lord. I hope those are helpful and beneficial to you. What kind of questions do you have? about the things we talked about today. 